1: Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Bram Hilsman, host of the popular Warriors Huddle podcast. We've already talked at length about what the Warriors could do with the number two pick. So we spent this podcast discussing what they could do with their two second round picks. Bram, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, It's only been like a a week or so, but it feels like it's been forever. you are actually, it is Thursday morning. You're already in the office. It's not even 9 a.m. What, 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 brought, you, what brought you to your office?
0: Well, I appreciate you asking that um, because it gives me an opportunity to be a little bit resentful. I'm here because of you, Connor. I, I had a full day that I had to do today. I love being on this show. It means the world to me. So I got my fat ass up crazy early and rushed into the city. So here we are. Um, I can say it's kind of strange. The traffic is back. Downtown San Francisco is still a zombieville, should be, you know, quarantines are still in effect, but getting across the bridge was kind of a nightmare today. And it was like running into an old like acquaintance who I hate, you know, like I haven't seen traffic forever, man. So like having it back in my life sucks. I'm just going to say it sucks.
1: Yeah, no, there were certain things about quarantine that I I really appreciated. um, And one of them being the lack of traffic, but I've noticed, you know, just for me, uh, like, there's crazy traffic just going out to like see my girlfriend in San Ramon. Like it's like, I, you know, I'm like, I don't like this, you know, earlier, like a couple months ago, that was, it was an easy, quick drive. And now it's, it's becoming a pain and I'm, I'm not enjoying it. Um, and, you know, it's looking like I'm going to be going to chase center here pretty soon, given how quickly training camp is going to be upon us. And, and I'm not looking forward to that commute because that that's dreadful every single day.
0: Unless you are some kind of technological genius, and I'm uh, misjudging your background, it looks like you're at the house while we're recording, and you had no commute this morning. So I'm not feeling in particularly terribly bad. I sympathize with you, man. I'm trying, okay? Unless it's too, late. It's too late, too I late. Mean, I'm, I'm just like, to I'll be angry. You just let me be angry. But I will ask you this, kind of a transparent question, um, and one I shouldn't ask, but I'll do it anyways. So every time I'm on these Zoom calls that actually have a video component, so Connor and I are looking at each other right now, at least through a computer screen. I'm gonna admit to you, Connor. I spend like 95% of the time looking at my picture. I don't know why that is like, I'm just like, it's constant. Like I'm worried like, Oh, how's my hair or something? Like, what can you see behind me? It's really distracting. Am I the only one who does that? Like when you are on this, are you looking at, at at me? Are you looking at your picture? No,
1: I, it honestly depends on if I'm wearing a hat or (laughs) (laughs) not. if I'm wearing a hat, then I don't worry about it. If I'm, if I'm not wearing a hat, I got to make sure the hair is right. Uh so I if you notice I'm wearing a hat right
0: now. No, immediately immediately, immediately. Uh,
1: because I I wanted to focus on you. So uh (laughs) the draft is only six days away here. Um, and you know (laughs) that 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 seems crazy to say, just given the fact that we've waited so long, it's like, oh my god, it's finally here. Uh, but uh I feel like we've done a really good job analyzing every possible angle humanly possible, uh, of for what they could do at the number two pick. Bottom line is a lot of things are still in play there. Uh, it feels like the more time that goes by, the, the less clear picture I have of what could actually happen. because so There's so many smoke screens going on. Uh, but the, the second round is something we have not really talked about. Um, understandably, I mean, it's not nearly as big of a deal, but with the draft so close, I thought it'd be good to dig into what the possibilities are. Now, the average Warriors fan might not even be aware of the fact that the Warriors actually have, Two second round picks in this draft. Uh, they have numbers forty eight and fifty one. Um, now, historically speaking, in the draft, uh, there tends to be a decent amount of value early in the second round. Uh, that a lot of a lot of good picks have been made early in the second round. Uh, once you get later in the second round, it gets trickier. Uh, once you get in the forties, fifties, but you know there have been good picks made in those later in the later part of the second round as well um you know obviously eric pascal was taken 41st last year he was uh you know heard 40 names called before him and then was still a first team all rookie guy um monte ellis uh, warriors fans will remember was taken 40th in 2005 was obviously a very productive player for the warriors for a long time and then in terms of guys who were taken early second round and ended up having a lot of value uh, the Warriors took Gilbert arenas in 2001 at 31 um, was ended up being an all-star Draymond green. Uh, they obviously took at 35. We all know what happened with him um, in, in 2012. And so um, I do think that, especially in a draft that's this fluid that the Warriors can get value in the second round, because I think there's going to be guys that fall to the second round that are actually first round talents. Um, but it, there's, just, there's just so many question marks throughout the draft that guys are going to slide for reasons that maybe aren't really fair to them. Um, so I, I it'll be interesting to
0: see. That Gilbert Arena's name took me through an immediate roller coaster. I remember being so excited when they got him. He came out of Arizona. He got, like, almost no time up front. And then he had two or three games, takes off, starts scoring 20 a game. And before Warrior fans could – properly enjoy what we had, he was gone. He went to Washington, like it, like, there's almost no. no time in between. And I think the NBA literally changed how free agency worked because of how badly arena screwed us over. Uh, but I digress, something tells me we're not focusing on agent zero. Um, what I'll tell you on the second round, so I'll start by being transparent. I don't know the names who are available in the second round. Actually, I'm really fired up to have you shepherd us through this and teach me some of the people they can get but one of the things you've already taught me is how important these second rounders can be. So as we've been talking about how the pandemic affects the NBA and then the Warriors specifically, one of the things we've been worried about, man, is how much money does Lakeup and the Warriors have? Will they be able to spend all 17 million of the TPE? What does it mean that they haven't been able to get all this revenue in? And one of the things they can do to hedge against that is if they get lucky in the second round. If, if they get some people that they can throw on second round minimum um, deal contracts, they can lock them up at low money. That opens up the the type of cap space they're going to need to spend on more uh, valuable players with uh, mid-level or the TP. So they are lottery tickets, but I think they're important ones. If they can actually land somebody there, it could really improve how they can make this roster.
1: Right. And, and it's also, it's interesting just from a, uh... From a salary cap standpoint, um, as we know, the Warriors are going to be in the luxury tax next season, and um, the news—the new CBA details of the CBA—dropped early earlier this week, and um, it was good news for the Warriors because um, there's going to be some luxury tax relief. Um, so, you know that 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 that's definitely going to, I think, make it more likely that the Warriors are going to be able to spend big in the name of winning big. And I talked to Joe Lacob recently. And he basically reiterated, we're going to spend what we have to spend. Okay. That being said, when you're talking about the end of a roster, if you can save a little bit of money, um, why not? Uh, and the thing is, if, if let's say, hypothetically, they rounded out the roster with these two second-round picks and, and signed these guys to obviously very minimum contracts uh you know that they're they're able to a groom groom some young guys on the cheap, but B just just save some save some money. Uh, you know, because even if if they went out and filled those spots with minimum contract guys, guys in free agency, the, the vet minimum is going to be significantly more than the rookie minimum. So sure. um I mean we're we're not talking about earth shattering an earth shattering difference in finances there but uh, it's something worth taking into account. Um, and keep in mind, the Warriors are facing a little bit of a, a roster crunch too, um, which is something they have to take into account when, when making this decision. Um, the Warriors have at least 10 players expect re- currently on the roster or are expected to be on next season's roster. Um, so that leaves five open spots, given that the NBA allows 15 uh, guaranteed roster spots. Um, But Golden State could only, but Golden State's going to use some of those just in coming weeks. They're going to use one definitely on on whoever they end up getting in the lottery, whether that's at number two or they trade back, uh, one on whoever whoever they sign on the mid-level exception, which it's looking like they're definitely going to do. They're definitely they're definitely going to utilize, and then one on whoever whoever they acquire with the traded player exception, which, um, I personally think is more than 50% chance, something that they're going to use. I don't think it's a guarantee, but I think they're probably going to end up using it uh, on like a, bet vet uh, rotation caliber wing, a guy like a Rudy Gay is the one I've mentioned many times. Um, and then, so then you're looking at, you know, at best two open spots, but it's looking like, you know, they're 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 gonna want to maybe use a minimum contract or two. There's an unlimited amount of minimum contracts that they can sign. Sure. Uh, so if you can go get like a, a Glenn Robinson the third and sign him to a minimum, uh, I think you do that. And there's gonna be other, I think, decent guys out there, decent rotation caliber guys that you can get on a minimum. Um, so and and then keep in mind too, you also have Kai Bowman, Juan and Anderson, and Michael Mulder, guys from last season's team who are on non-guaranteed deals. And I think you know, the Warriors would like to keep around at least one of them. Um, you know, it's not looking like all three will be able to make the roster, but maybe you can keep around one of them. And then something interesting too, that also came out just yesterday is that the league is looking at changing the two-way contract so that uh, so that players on two-way contracts can spend more than just 45 days with the NBA team, given that it's going to be a crazy year with potential COVID uh, right. Outbreaks and uh, teams want that kind of roster flexibility. So uh, the, I know it's kind of complicated, but there's a lot of factors at play here. And Bob Myers, you know, is is going to is going to utilize those those two way contracts. And I think it's very possible that the Warriors end up signing a guy like a Michael Boulder or a Juan Descartes Anderson to one of those two way deals, and then those guys uh, end up uh you know playing more than 45 days and 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 being helpful next season now uh the Warriors can also if they if they so choose they can draft someone in the second round uh with one of their picks or or even if they trade up or trade down uh in the second round they can draft they can take someone and sign them to a two-way as well so uh there's a lot of options here um what what are what are your initial thoughts just just thinking, hearing those options?
0: There's there's something that's so unusual about the Warriors' current position. Most teams who are having the conversation, most podcasts that are covering teams that are having the conversation we're having right now are looking at this as a rebuilding project that's going to be the next five or six years, right? Um, and, and then from that standpoint is you just bring in talent, bring in anybody you can. Make that back of the roster as much of a competition as you can. Hopefully you'll find a couple of gems and then you, know, you work on them over the next few years. But the Warriors are totally different you know, we, we have this really unique scenario where a team is high in the draft and they want to add some talent, but they are also on the precipice, hopefully, of going right back to title contention, you know, and so you add the Splash Brothers, you add who hopefully Wiggins will be, you add Draymond, and now that the people who are putting this team together, the analysis isn't just, let's bring in talent and see who sticks. They also now have to look at, well... Let's see who talent who might be able to give us three or four minutes at the back end of an important playoff game. You know, who is somebody who can help? um, I heard an interview recently with Jared Dudley, uh, and they were kind of bringing us through behind the bubble and the practices that happened. And one of the things that he really underlined, and to be fair, he was trying to kick up his own value. But one of the things he underlined was how he contributed to a practice, how veterans who don't necessarily get minutes on the floor are really contributing to the team off of it. And I bring that up now because if the lawyers are hopeful of getting, you know, right back to title contention, when we're looking at the people who they are going to add, if Dudley's right, that even if we don't see them, you know, meaningful minutes, but they are still contributing within the culture and behind the scenes, long way of saying this decision could have an impact. It actually is more important than it would be for someone like Charlotte to nail their pick this year. Um, so I'm excited for it. You know, I, yeah, I, I like talking
1: about a championship pursuit. Every roster spot matters, uh, especially with how the Warriors play and how Steve Kerr operates. Because, I mean, even even if the names we're talking about here aren't guys who are going to play meaningful playoff minutes, yep. uh, they're going to have to eat up minutes in the regular season and they're going to yep. have to ease – they're gonna to have to ease the workload at times of, of the big name guys just to pres- to make sure that those guys are ready uh and 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 rested enough uh come the games that really matter. Uh I mean over the course of the regular season, Steve empties his bench many times. Um yep. you know they the Warriors are the Warriors are unique in that way. Um, and I also think it's it's the Warriors, hopefully, since they're supposed they're gonna be. Re- either returning to contention or definitely returning to the playoff picture, they're not going to have uh, these, these lottery picks necessarily going forward outside of maybe uh, the top three protected pick for a Minnesota next year. Um, and so you want to get as much value as you can out of any pick. And as they pro as they, as, as Bob Myers proved with his very first draft, which was 2012 when, when he took Draymond Green 35, like, and Draymond ended up being, the best player for the Warriors from that draft, and they also took uh, used a lottery pick on Harrison Barnes and took Bestuzile in the first round. And Draymond was the biggest value get there. Now, is it possible that the Warriors end up getting more value with whoever they take in the second round than whoever they take at number two? It's unlikely. It's highly unlikely, but it is possible. Um, so I think it's it's worth considering. And the thing about the second round, if you look at it historically I'm, I'm i'm really as you know really into the nba draft and I, I follow this stuff closely one thing i noticed about the second round of the draft is a lot of times there's these like really productive college players these guys who spent three or four years in college the draymond greens of the world really the eric Pascals of the world who uh have all the tools to be good NBA players, but they fall to the second round solely because they're like 22. Uh, And because they, it's held against them that they decided to play uh, a few, an extra year or two in college. And so teams looking for the next big superstar want to want to use that first round pick on like the 19 year old guy who's much raw, but there's something to be said for the Eric Pascal's of the world, a guy who could come in from day one, and and score for you, and defend multiple positions, and be helpful. And I mean, Pascal at times. I mean, obviously they they were dealt with a ton of injuries last season, but Pascal at times was the Warriors' best player, and he was the forty first pick in the draft last year.
0: You, the last time you and I recorded on your show, um, the principal question that we focused on was: Do the Warriors have to match the Lakers? Do they have to get bigger? Do they have to worry about the front court? Should they start loading up on uh, on height and size? And at that time, I, I didn't think so. We kind of hedged. And I guess we'll see. But I, I kept saying, no, I believe in the Warriors. The system is ultimately going to win out. And then since that, man, um, I've heard a 1,000 people ask your question. I've heard it on the radio. I've heard it on ESPN. I've heard everybody say. Now, you know, size is the new way. So where are you standing on this? Do you think the Warriors need to get bigger in order to compete with the Lakers? And if so, is that what they need to do in the second round? I mean, is it? Is it like, should they just be firing off as many lottery tickets as they can and bringing in random big dudes to see if they can foot this hole.
1: I don't think that that's how they should look at the second round. I think, I think that they're going to be able to, to, I think that they need a, they need one more center at least. Um, And I think they're going to be able to do that in free agency, uh, either with the mid-level or even a minimum contract. I think they're going to be able to get a decent center. Now, obviously there's a lot of talk about the Warriors drafting James Wiseman at number two. Um, which I still don't think is likely, but, uh, you know, the conversations I've had within the organization, they were really impressed with his workout a couple weeks ago. And I think he's emerging more as a possibility now. Uh, and I know every mock draft seems to have him going number two. Um, so I, but I don't think that in the second round, you need to be thinking about it in those terms. I think in the second round, you're looking for someone who either is like a proven college player who is polished enough to eat up meet some meaningful regular season minutes for you yep. right away, or you're looking for that diamond in the rough guy who, uh, you know, maybe isn't totally ready right now to be an NBA player, but could be a, uh, a really helpful player down the line. Sure. Um, you know, Monty Ellis is a good example of that. You know, a guy who was fresh out of high school um, you know, but ended up becoming this, you know, prolific scorer in the NBA. Um, and I think I think there's some some examples of guys like that, specifically, guy overseas players. Um, and one thing, um, one option that we haven't really discussed that I think is 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 very is this very good chance is going to happen is the Warriors use at least one of these picks on a draft and stash guy. Now, those of you who aren't familiar with that term. Drafting stash means you, you draft a guy, you get his rights in the second round, and then you say, hey, go hang out in, in Europe for a while, uh, play at a high level there, get meaningful minutes, develop, and hopefully in a year or two we can bring you over when you're ready to play meaningful rotation minutes. Um, you know, the Warriors have done that in the past. Uh, really, every NBA team has utilized that at some point. And uh, I think there's a few guys in this draft who kind of fit that bill. Um, and, and one, th- and we we actually talked to Bob Myers yesterday, and he brought up the second round unprompted and said this: Maybe we don't draft two guys in the second round. Maybe we stash one overseas or sign one to a two-way contract. We haven't figured that out, okay. which just shows he is open to every possibility when it comes to these second-round picks. We'll have more of my conversation with Bram Hillsman right after the break.
0: Tell me about one of these guys. You've got my attention. I And I love that idea. Um, I, I love the concept of a lottery ticket that like, maybe they'll be worth so much more. And the investment lottery ticket is that times a thousand. So like a Euro player who they can, who they see some promise in, but are willing to wait for, I like it, man. You've got my attention. Who are we talking about?
1: Yeah. And I think given their roster situation, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you don't, you don't need to spend that money right now. Um, and uh, you can, you can, get an asset for the future you know even if you even if you he never ends up playing a minute for the warriors if he ends up if whoever they took as a draft and stash guy ended up developing in europe that's an asset for you as a trade ship you know if if other teams like what he's doing in europe so um uh one one name that that uh i find interesting is and i and i'm gonna mispronounce these guys names the these second-round guys from europe uh, but his name is Barisa Samanik. Uh, he's a power forward out of Serbia, 6'11", 209 pounds, 22 years old. Um, it'd be kind of it'd be kind of interesting if they ended up taking another big Serbian project, given that they already have Alan Smilagic, but Smilagic is on the roster. I think if they took Barisa, he'd be a guy who would, who would stay overseas for a year or two. Um, he's a guy who's not actually on mock drafts, but I've actually – uh, I've actually talked to a couple uh, guys in the Warriors front office who have him on their mock drafts, who have yes. them on, in their top 60 prospects. So he's a guy who they value more than other teams, I believe. And Give us that first name again?
0: What, just the, Barista,
1: Barissa? Barissa?
0: Barissa. So if you are listening to this podcast, chances are you're a huge Warrior fan. If you're anything like me, you would like other people to know you're a huge Warriors fan. Drop that name. What a great casual way to show like, oh, I've been following. You guys might know about who the Warriors are thinking at number two. I know Barissa. It's a guy they're going to draft and stash. So I'm just, just a a piece of friendly advice. If you may want to casually drop that name and you will come off as super. Is it
1: impressive that I know that the Warriors are like that are iding this this guy or is it does it show that i have way too much time on my hands
0: no, i mean connor I, I wouldn't be looking credit from from you buddy you do this for a living you are the beat writer so i mean it's impressive but it's necessary i'm talking about the people who don't do this professionally you know that they, they will come off perhaps a little bit more impressive uh so he's he's a he's kind of
1: your 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 total like mystery ball type type guy he he has a lot of intriguing skill set he's got some size he's got the catch and shoot um but he has not played huge minutes yet for his team in belgrade um he he's a guy who's been on the nba team's radars for a long time he he actually played at the 2017 nike hoop summit i think a lot of people thought he'd go pro go go to the enter the nba draft a couple years ago Um, but he just never really got the meaningful minutes to prove himself in Europe. Um, But there's reason to believe that he could develop into a serviceable role player at the next level if he's put in the right situation. He has the fluidity. He had the shooting stroke for his size. um, and In some ways, he fits the modern NBA. Um, So I think that he's a guy that would be a good option to to kind of take a swing on late in the second round. Let's say they end up keeping – The fifty first pick. I think rolling a dice on him at fifty one, and look, if he doesn't pan out, it's the fifty first pick. Not, not the, not the end of the world. Um, Another guy.
0: You should have waited to ask me if I was impressed, because if you had asked me now, it would have been like, "Oh my god, and a huge Serbian hoop knowledge, some 2017 stuff sprinkled in there, man." I'm impressed. You got me now.
1: Um, I, I was, I was kind of cribbing a, a story I wrote a few months ago. To be honest, while I was, while I was. That. That.
0: I can see you. I'm watching your eyes read the screen, but nobody else knew that, you know. And also, just a word to the wise: that hat is starting to fall off, and should it come off, I know that I'm going to lose all of your attention to your own screen, so you may want to fix that.
1: Okay. I appreciate, I appreciate the heads up there. Um, another, another guy that I'm intrigued by, uh, international prospect is Landro Bal- Balmero. Uh, he is an Argentinian guy. Um, he's 6'6, 180 pounds, um, played for, I believe he played for FC Barcelona this past year, but he actually didn't even play for their senior team. He, he, he put up big numbers for their junior team. Mm-hmm. And so, you're, you're asking a lot for a guy like that who hasn't even played at the highest levels in Europe to come over to the NBA and be productive right away. I think he would be a guy you'd you'd probably want to hang out in Europe for another year or two, but he is really skilled. He's a, vis- he's a versatile guard uh, who can be used in every per- perimeter position. He has a high basketball IQ, uh, really great size for his position, has a great feel for the game. Um, you know decent athleticism not great but he's a better leaper than, than a lot of people would assume um, so I think he's a guy who's actually emerging as a potential late first round guy to me he, he has spurs written all over him even though the spurs are actually drafting in the lottery this year um, but uh, you know the, he's emerging as a late first round guy I think if he falls to the early second round the Warriors, it would behoove the Warriors to maybe package their their two late second round picks to try to move up uh, in the early second round and take him. Um, and, and and because I think, I think he's incredibly skilled. I just think he needs to be put in a situation where he's playing meaningful minutes against high level competition.
0: Sure. No, I'd, Again, any of these people, if we are viewed it from the right prism, if the idea is let's just get them in the organization so that they have the rights and then see what they ultimately play out. I like the concept a lot. Um, And to borrow your phrase, especially considering the roster concerns with this in particular team. Sounds like a good solution.
1: Yeah. So those are those are just a couple of the potential overseas uh, draft and stash. I wish I had Um, a
0: guy like this would be if I was really going to blow your socks off like oh and by the way I prepared but I I don't have a guy at all fairness to you Uh,
1: in fairness to you I I kind of I kind of threw this topic on you last minute. I texted you right before we, we went on Zoom
0: here and said, I, this is what we're going to talk about. But it. I didn't
1: really give you an opportunity to prepare. I know you are an over-preparer. So you okay, Thank you
0: for saying that. I really appreciate you, think <laughs> And in fairness to you, had you given me, I don't know, six weeks to prepare for the second round draft picks the Warriors could have had in this draft, I, I still probably wouldn't have been able to pull those two names. So there's a reason you're the reporter and it was good information.
1: Um, but there's also – going to be a lot of guys available in the second round who, like I said earlier, were productive three or four year college players, um, that I think could slide into an NBA rotation as a rookie. Um, and I, you know, guys who were productive in college and, and, and have, you know, NBA level skills already. Um, and I think that the warriors could, could use this potentially to plug a couple holes. Um, they don't have like a true backup point guard right now. Um I, Kai Bowman to me is not like a true backup point guard. Um, I know that they believe more in like the secondary ball handler thing. They don't believe you like really need a true quote unquote backup point guard. Sure. But if they if they wanted to have that on the roster, a good a good option would be Peyton Pritchard out of Oregon. Um, I've actually followed his career for a very long time. He's from the Portland area, uh, which I am from and and when I was at the Oregonian in Portland he was a big high school star he ended up uh playing four years at Oregon put put up you know I think he broke records there he's he's a really good uh true point guard he he sees the floor really really well um kind of a pass first guy but also has a nice jump shot um I don't think he has an incredibly high ceiling he's not especially athletic but he has a pretty polished pick and roll game and I think he could be an effective backup point guard, um, and you know from what I've seen on mock drafts, he's all over the board in terms of the second round. So he could be available for you in the in the in the forties when when you get on the clock. There, um, another guy who is interesting to me is um, another guy who's interesting to me is, is Bay out of Colorado. Uh, he he's a guy who is a freak athletically. I believe he's his measurements could potentially you know break records in terms of his vertical um, now I don't I don't know how official these these measurements are but he's absolutely wowed in terms of just his his physical tools um, and he was he was he's not a guy who was putting up big numbers at Colorado as a junior at Colorado he averaged just over 13 points per game but he's a guy who plays really hard he's, he's kind of an undersized power forward at 6 seven 215 pounds Um, and we're talking about Tyler Bay here just to just to clarify because there actually are a couple bays in this draft Sadiq Bay a name that we've mentioned before but Tyler Bay at of Colorado Um, he but he's a really good rebounder he's very versatile defensively I think he can be he has a chance to be a true lockdown guy defensively at the next level and to me he's just a guy who isn't going to make a lot of mistakes and is going to kind of be the quote-unquote Warriors or Spurs type of guy in the sense that he's not flashy, but he's but he is skilled where it matters, and he's going to eat up minutes and not hurt you, which is what you want at the end of your roster. Um, now he's also a guy who's kind of emerging, partly because of those numbers I referenced earlier, uh, emerging as a late first-round guy. If the Warriors really like him, they might be able to get him in the early second. If if they could, I think he I think he's a guy they should seriously consider.
0: Do you have a sense that the Warriors are entering this with specific names they're hoping that falls to them at, at specific positions? Or is it kind of a wait and see fluid approach? Let's see what trades are available, let's see who's there at two, let's see who's there later.
1: I don't think that you um, especially in the in the second round, I don't I don't think you can approach it with the mindset of like we need to fill this need because you can't. it's not fair to ask any second round player to come in and immediately fill a need. Now, that being said, the Warriors did kind of do that with Eric Paschal <laughs> last year. They, they signed him immediately uh, to a three year guaranteed deal, which in retrospect was brilliant because they signed, because they were able to lock him up for three years at the absolute cheapest salary possible. And so, and he's a guy who at worst going forward is going to be a helpful rotation player. Um but I think that's rare that you can have that confidence in, in, in someone that you would take at 41. Um, I also think that that was also a product of just where they were at with their roster because even before the injuries last year, that second unit was not super impressive entering the Perfect. season. Uh, yeah. I mean, there were so many question marks. So hopefully their their second unit is stronger than that entering next season once once they get through.
0: There's, there's a reason they had the second pick in the draft, man. And it wasn't because they were piling up wins by on the back of the second unit.
1: Right. And in terms of the second the second pick, in terms of uh, positional need, um, you know, I've, I've talked to Bob and I've talked to Joe Lacob about this. And basically what they said is they, especially when you're drafting that early, they really do believe you, you need to draft the best player available. But this draft is so fluid, and there there's such a small difference between the talent level of these top guys that you need to find ways that to differentiate, you know, guys on your board. And I think that one way to do that is to favor guys who fill a positional need, which Perfect. is why which is why James Wiseman is, is going number two on a, on the vast majority of mock drafts is because. The Warriors do not have the center position set. They do not have like a bona fide starting center, even though I right. personally like Marquise Chris. Um, and James Wiseman fills that need. I don't think that James Wiseman is actually an awesome fit in terms of the Warrior system. He's not the, the, the prototypical starting center they would want to have sure. in the sense that he's not like a great passer. He can't be at a fulcrum of an offense necessarily. Um, but, you know, you could slide him in and, and have him play the JaVale McGee role. Now, do I want someone that I'm taking at number two who's like a glorified JaVale McGee? No, I want someone who's a little bit more, who can bring a little bit more to the table. And, and James, James Wiseman might be that, but from what we saw in a limited sample size at Memphis and what we know about his, his track record in high school, I'm not convinced that he's much more than, like, a better version of JaVale McGee, right. which I'm not trying to – to me, he's kind of like a Mitchell Robinson – type and it's like mitchell robbins is a good player not trying to use the second pick on him
0: if if, if the warriors use the number two pick the rationale i would imagine behind selecting uh, wiseman would be he is mcgee next year and in five or six years he becomes chris bosh you know when when they meet when uh steph fades off from the sunset suddenly uh wiseman starts coming up but exactly what you are saying it's pretty hard to bank on that with the remarkable small sample size we have on him. And I, I, I get it. I get the concerns for sure.
1: Yeah. So um, no, it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting. And, and and we had like a almost a 40 minute uh, Q and a yesterday with a conference call, I should say with Bob Myers and the and i and bobs a very genuine person you i don't think he really tries to lead reporters astray like some other front office people and we were all asking him about the tpe we we're asking him about the draft we we're asking about free agency and the, the 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 kind of the refrain over and over was everything is so fluid we're still we're not going to make a decision until we absolutely have to we kind of have a general idea of who we like but you know they have no idea what kind of trade offers they're gonna get. Right. You know that stuff doesn't really. Even though the draft has been pushed back so much, people might assume, oh, it's been pushed back so much, it's giving you more time to have these types of conversations. That's not how it works. The those types of conversations never happen. They never really, uh, they never really materialize in a real way until the days right before the draft.
0: It's only six more days, Connor. You know, after after all this speculation, man, it's finally here. In just a few more days, and we'll actually have some of these answers.
1: I know, and I'm I I know you're probably just as ready as I am because even though I love the draft, I mean, this is really tested tested me, man. We've been, I, I, I've been I've been writing about this for eight months. I just finished a series where I profiled relatively in depth ten guys, and and I did two separate. Pieces each every week one was on like an in-depth background and like going into their background talking to people close to them the other one was like a breakdown of their fit with the warriors and their strengths and weaknesses i'm done man let's do this
0: Oh, I, I hate the phrase. There's always so many ways to skin a cat. In fact, I don't understand it. Who are these people skinning fucking cats and why are they worried about that? I've used it. I've used that phrase like a hundred times recently because I'm covering the draft so many different ways. So yeah, yeah.
1: that is already, all ready. The out there. That might be like one of the worst ones.
0: So. <laughs> I said again, it doesn't make any sense, but it is what it is.
1: Bram, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, you know, I hope I hope you're not too exhausted having to get to the office early and you can, uh, you know, still have a productive work day in your drive. because believe it or not, Bram does other things beyond just talk about the Warriors.
0: Exactly right. No, no. I just come to this office and talk to the Warriors or talk about the Warriors to random people, but uh, no, my pleasure worth every second of the drive. And I can confirm for those of you who couldn't watch it, that Connor's hair and hat looked phenomenal throughout those 40 minutes. I mean, like impeccable. So it was, uh, it was good stuff, but I appreciate you having me, man. This is always huge fun.
1: Our thanks to Bram Hilsman for joining me on the podcast. Really enjoyed breaking down the Warriors' second-round possibilities with him. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com.